Kimberly, can you pull up that first verse? And as she's doing that, the words that we just sang, and even the whole concept of this song, this is what I'm going to be preaching on over the next few weeks. And so as God just worked that out, Kenny, thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and leading us. But I do want to say that what we're going to be looking at is we're going to be looking at the whole thing of not just Jesus' birth, um, but we're going to be looking at his, even his death and his resurrection and his second coming. And many of those themes were covered in the song. But um, notice the theme of light without hope, without light in, in darkness versus light. We're going to be looking at that this morning. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. And uh, from a throne of in this glory in the cradle in the dirt, we're going to be looking at throne and the dirt, from the throne to the dirt. That's actually going to be the sermon this morning. And I could go through this song as we were singing it. I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Um, because so many of the sermons that I'm going to be preaching over this week and the next three weeks, uh, were the seeds of them were in this song. And, and last thing I'll point out, uh, to the virgin, to a virgin came what? The word. And we'll be looking at that in John 1 this morning. So uh, thank you, Kimberly, for doing that. Uh, the sermon this morning uh, is going to be in John 1, verses 1 through 18, and, and it's the humiliation of Christ. And the humiliation of Christ, this is a common phrase used um, in, in dis- discussing not just the death of Christ. That's, that's often what we think about when we hear the humiliation of Christ. But it's also his first coming, his, his birth. And you might think, well, why, why is that humiliating? Well, I would ask if you've ever been in a room when someone has given birth. But also, um, it's where he was and where he was going to. It's the mission that he had was one of condescension. And I'm not trying to say that is in, um, well, it is what it is. He left a high esteem to come to a low esteem. He left the throne as we just sang, uh, he, he left the throne to become a servant. Philippians 2, which we might look at in detail a little bit over the next few weeks, um, said uh, Paul is encouraging the Philippian church. He says, hey, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the, who was the, in the form of God, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing taken the form of a servant, even to death. So that is the crux of what we're going to be looking at, is that Christ was God, Jesus was God, and yet he humbled himself to a point of service that was incredible. And so I'm glad that we get to be looking at this together. Um, This is not your typical, uh, probably not your typical Christmas message, uh, but I knew we wouldn't have a whole lot of visitors today the weekend after Thanksgiving and leading up to Christmas we'll, where we'll have a whole lot more uh, visitors. And, and so uh, I wanted to preach this now to prepare our hearts for Advent. Advent starting today. Um, some people started on the first day of December. Some people started uh, on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Hey, we got both of those, right? And so uh, Advent is the time of uh, the days leading up to Christmas that we're supposed to set our hearts on Christ, set our attention and our focus to Christ, 
Uh, as Baptists, we don't usually celebrate Advent that much, but I think it's one of those things that where sometimes you throw the baby out with the bathwater, and Advent is one of those incredible seasons that I wish that we would acknowledge more in uh, the Southern Baptist world. Um, but each week has a theme, uh, hope, and, and different ones that we'll uh, be looking at a little bit over the next few weeks. Uh, but I encourage you to, to find a, a, an Advent calendar to pray each day to ask God to prepare your heart for Christmas. Because a lot of times, if we're not careful in the society that we live in and the world that we live in, our thoughts and attention will go toward gifts. Our thoughts and attention will go toward, I have to cook a meal, or I can't wait to eat a meal. Or, and not that those things are bad, but if that's our focus, and our focus isn't Jesus, our priority isn't Jesus, then we've got some things messed up. And we're not going to be able to enjoy that season to the fullest. And so when I started focusing on Jesus during Christmas, my Christmases became a whole lot more fulfilling and better. And I, and I became... a much more enjoyable person to be around, I believe, um, because of that. So John 1, let's go ahead and go to John 1. And in verse 1, we see this. In the beginning was the Word. So that the Word is capitalized, and it is, uh, we are going to find out later, uh, not to spoil anything, but the song has already done that for us, that the Word is Jesus. And so in the beginning was the Word. And I, the, John 1, 1 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and so I have quoted this thing probably 20 to 30 times um, in sermons since I've been here the last going on three years. And so you've probably heard me reference this passage a lot because I love this passage. It is incredible. There's so many different things that stick out to me uh, in this passage. I'm going to try to hit on some of those uh, but we don't have time to look at this in as much detail as I, was, I would like to this morning. Uh, but we see here, in the beginning was the Word. Now this should, when you read, in the beginning was the Word, it should bring to mind another verse in the Bible, the first verse in the Bible, which says what? Someone tell me what Genesis 1-1 says. John? That's right. And so, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And here we say, we see John saying, in the beginning was the word. Now, different uh, uh, gospel writers started their uh, gospels in different ways. Um, some of them with genealogy, some of them with Mary's experience. We have different things that are in the first chapter or two of, of the gospels. Um, but John, he doesn't choose to start with the birth. He goes before that to the Word, to Jesus' existence before His birth. As Christians who believe the Bible is true, we believe that Jesus is God. We believe that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they all three existed for eternity past. None of them were created. They exist, they are, and that's a hard thing for us to wrap our mind around as created beings I don't know that our mind can fully understand it. Just like when we were talking about the Trinity a couple of months ago, and I said, maybe when we're in heaven and we see the Trinity, we'll understand it, uh, maybe. But even in heaven, even with our perfect bodies, we will still be created beings and so uh, creatures. And so here we see that in the beginning was the Word. It, this is obvious in, in throughout the Old Testament. We see 
Jesus showing up. His name is not Jesus. He has not been born and given, been given a name. But we see uh, the signs of Jesus, and then we know that that was him because in the New Testament, it spells those things out. For example, in Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image. Well, that's, if you notice, those are plural pronouns. Let us make man in our image. And so uh, we were not created by angels. We were created by God. And so let us make man in our image. That's the Trinity, the, Holy, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we see that going back to the beginning. In, in Colossians 1, we see that he, by him and through him, all things were created, and he upholds all things by the power of his word. We see these things in Hebrews. We see these things all throughout the New Testament where Jesus existed before his birth as a man. He existed as God. And when I talk about the humiliation of Christ, it's God leaving heaven where, it's, where things are perfect, where he is king, where there is no one contesting that, and coming to earth and being born with flesh that is fragile. And as you know, I, I, when we were in New York this past week, we took a lot of pictures. And as I was looking at those pictures, I just thought, where did all those wrinkles come from? But, you know, our flesh, uh, our bodies, they get older. And they begin to get weaker. They begin to show signs of age, things like that. And that's just part of being a human. And Jesus became a human. He didn't have to. He chose to in order to glorify the Lord, in order to set an example of what humanity could look like. And that's a thing that we'll be exploring in future sermons, um, the potential of humanity as shown through Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, this morning, I want us to look at the fact that the Word became flesh. And we'll, we'll walk through John 1, 1, verse by verse in just a moment. Um, but in us thinking about the Word becoming flesh, let's think about what He left. Let's think about what He sacrificed in order to become human. Uh, we have talked a lot recently about being a missionary, being every member a minister, every member a priest, every member a missionary, every member an ambassador. We've talked about some of those things. And Jesus is the ultimate example of that. Because we think that Terry and Nan made sacrifices going to Africa, which they did. But the difference between Mansfield and Africa is a little puddle compared to the gulf of the difference between heaven and Bethlehem. And we need to remember when we're preparing ourselves to celebrate the birth of Christ, what it even costs him to become a human. What it cost him to be born as a man. And then as we will explore in future sermons, and this is a very introductory sermon, if you can't tell, for the next few weeks. And so I hope you can be here. Um, but I want to say these things to fill in the blank of this sermon it, so it can stand on its own, but also know that we will be exploring some of these themes in future sermons. But I, I want us to, to think about humanity in general and what it, it means to be born, right? One of our friends, uh, some of our friends, Jordan and Susan Martin, just had a baby, uh, their fifth 
uh, I don't know what their church pays them, what kind of salary they have, or the school and the bank and other places that they work, uh, but they probably need a raise right now. So if you know of someone, anyway, uh, that's another story. Uh, they have a starting basketball team uh, with their children, all five of them. And But Lincoln, their newest baby, um, we just saw him, uh, the, I guess the day after he was born, or the day he was born, the day he was born. And uh, he, he's just so precious, right? We've seen a lot of these babies come through. Uh, the Shores, the Howells. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of these babies come through recently uh, through our church. And they're so precious and so fragile. You have to, a, a baby needs someone to feed it. A baby needs someone to change its poopy diaper. Hopefully someone is changing that diaper, right? Uh, I always appreciated when Rose said, I have this one, which was a lot of them, and because uh, poopy diapers are not my favorite thing. And I want to be humorous, but also bring in the serious side of things. Jesus became a baby, a baby who had poopy diapers, a baby who needed to be fed. We can't even grasp the gulf that he passed through, the humongous divide between where he was in a moment and where he was in the next moment when the Holy Spirit conceived him, put him in Mary's womb. And to think that even before his birth, he was dependent on Mary's body to provide him the, the nutrients that he needed. And we, we could, I'm not going to get into a side of when does life begin or anything like that. But here's what I know. John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb when Mary came into her presence with Jesus in her womb. And so from the beginning, beginning, from conception, as far as Jesus being placed in the womb, this is just something that blows my mind. And I'm trying to put it into words. I'm trying to get us to, to think about it. But Jesus did that. He left heaven to become a baby, and not just to become a baby, but to become a baby who would grow into a man who would die on a cross. That is the humiliation of Jesus. So let's read John 1.1 1, 1 and see what John 1 says about this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So there we have so much theology in one verse. When, when did Jesus exist? From the beginning. He always has. Uh, he, he was there in the beginning. And the Word was with God, so Jesus is his own person. And yet, and the word was God. So Jesus is God. There's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning with God, verse 2. Now, verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So what did Jesus make? Everything. When we look at creation... Jesus wasn't just passively sitting over in a corner 
while the Father created. The Father spoke it, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit made it happen. And, it, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the essence of everything that humanity could be. When people saw Jesus, they saw light. Now, some people didn't recognize that light, as we're about to get into in detail. But could you imagine being in the presence of Jesus? For those of you who are already followers of Jesus, I'm sure you have thought about this before. But I cannot wait until the day that I get to be in his presence, that I get to see him. And I don't know what my response will be. It's like the song I can only imagine. You know, I have no idea if I'm going to fall on my face, drop to my knees, sing a song, um, praise him. And unless my new body has a new voice, he might prefer me dropping to my knees. But anyway, um, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Think about what Jesus was leaving and where he was going, and the light that he was bringing with him. And so here's an interesting thing. When I moved to, Rose and I moved to Alabama in 2006, and um, in the beginning of 2006, and we, when we moved there, my mentor, Jeff, he said, we left Arkansas and went to Alabama, and he said that the IQ of both states just went up. And so, might take a second to think about that, but... He was basically saying I wasn't as smart as people in Arkansas, but smarter than people in Alabama. So sorry if you're from Alabama. Um, but that's me leaving Arkansas and going to Alabama. And Jesus uh, was leaving heaven and coming to earth. Now, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they're omnipresent, right? And so heaven didn't lose out when Jesus left. This is part of the mission. This is part of what makes God and heaven so great, is that Jesus would become a human, that Jesus would come to earth. And so, but, but earth became better. Light came into the darkness. Light came into the world. And so when we think about Christmas, we celebrate Christmas because of the birth of Jesus, because of the light. These, we're talking about the humiliation of Christ this morning but it's so that we could look forward to the second coming of Christ, so that we can remember his first coming, his birth. It, we remember, think about the good things and the light. Um, and, and that's what this verse is thinking about, that the light shines in the darkness. But in order for the light to shine in the darkness, there has to be darkness, and we realize that the earth can be a dark place. And while Jesus was the fullest potential of what a human could look like and the best of what humanity can be, we also see the worst sometimes of what humanity can be. And the earth can be a dark place. And Jesus came to that darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is talking about John the Baptist not John who wrote this gospel. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So John, who wrote this gospel, is given an explanation of John the Baptist, and he's saying, hey, he's, he's just a man. We know from other gospels, this is the cousin of Jesus, right? And, and John was born first, and John's ministry began first, and John was a voice crying out in the wilderness. John was the person who said, world, get ready, the Messiah is here. You're going to be introduced to him soon. It's, he is the one whose sandal I'm not worthy to even touch or tie. And so we want to make sure that we understand that this is John the Baptist. And John came to bear witness that the light was coming. Hope is coming. And he was not the light. He was not the hope. He was just bearing witness to the hope. And so it says here in verse 8, he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. So who was the light? Well, we know it was Jesus. So verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world made through him, was made through him, yet the world did not know him. This is more of the humiliation, more of the condescension, that Jesus, according to an earlier verse, verse 3, well, verses 1 through 3, we can look at them all, um, we see that he created the world. There was not anything made that was not made by him. So he made everything. And he, the creator, was born into the world, became a man. He made the world, and the world didn't know him. The world didn't recognize him. Have you ever, as um, an employee, as a parent, as a spouse, have you ever done something and you just felt like, man, I hit it out of the park this time. This, this was good. And then you got no recognition for it. I mean, what a feeling, right? Or like when you get home, uh, I'm not saying this has ever happened to me. I'm just using an uh, illustration here. But you get home and uh, you're so excited to see your kids, and then they run and sit in their mom's lap who's been home all day. I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to sound bitter or say that that's ever happened to me. Um, but, you know, you, you, <laughs> hush, uh, my son over there. Anyway, we, we want to, even as a father, I want my children to see whatever level of goodness it is that I have, right? I want my children to recognize that. I want my children to be proud of me. As a spouse, the same thing. As a pastor, the same thing. I want to work hard. I, 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 want to, um, I want to do a good job as a pastor, but there's a part of me that also wants to be appreciated, you know? If I'm honest, and we're, I think we all feel that way. And here is Jesus, here is God, the creator of everything, who deserves worship and glory from everyone, and he is born into humanity, and he knew what was coming, right? He, when he and the Father, before, they, before the Trinity, before God ever created any of us or anything, they knew what was going to happen. They knew that this day was coming where Jesus would have to be born as a man in order to save men, in order to glorify the Father, in order to give an example of what a human should be. They knew this day was coming. 
And yet here it is. The light is in the darkness. The light has come, right? The creator has, has entered into his creation. And it, dad's home. And there are no hugs. There is no recognition. There is no love. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That's, that's the reality of what was going on. So, I'm going to start back in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, talking about the Jewish people, and his own people did not receive him. This is humiliation. We're not even to the cross yet. And this is enough humiliation. This is what Jesus did for us. This is why Christmas is so important. Because I can say that he didn't have to do this, but I can also say that I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't subject myself to this humiliation. And yet, we serve a good God who can put aside his ego, who can put aside his worth, his deity, and he can consider himself nothing. He can become a servant. And I don't want to get into next week's sermon, so I'm going to get back to this and close this one out. But um, verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The Jewish people have been, they have heard prophecies of the coming Messiah for generations and generations and generations. And here he was and his own people didn't even recognize him. And we can be harsh and judgmental. Um, but we don't know when he comes again. Like, w w there's so many, there's so much in the Bible written about the signs to be looking for, and I don't think that any of us are going to recognize the signs very well because it says that no man knows the day or the hour, and so uh, of which he will return. And so when we think about why didn't they see him, why didn't they recognize him, I, I don't have all the answers. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks. But what we do know is that they didn't recognize him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So even while we're humiliating him, and even while we're not recognizing him, if we respond to the Holy Spirit's opening of our eyes, if we respond to the conviction that God gives us that Jesus is Lord, and if we call on his name, and if we place our faith in him, if we're born again, if we're saved, however you want to say that, he gives us right, the right to become children of God. We don't deserve that. Look at what we did to him. Look at what he had to go through just to give us this right. We don't deserve him, and yet he gives it to us. He gives us the right to become children of God. He adopts us, even though we don't deserve any of that. And this is Jesus. This is what he did for us. This is why he endured the humiliation for the glory of God and for the salvation of men. Verse 13. Become children of God who were born not of blood, 
nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're, this is a spiritual rebirth. Verse 14. Now he's going back to the word and what he did. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Jesus, the son, the second person of the Trinity, became a baby. The word became flesh and that baby grew into a man. He dwelt among them. He showed them who God was. He showed them all that humanity could be. And he came full of grace and truth. I'm glad that he didn't just come full of truth. Because truth is we don't deserve him coming. Truth is we don't deserve to be adopted. Truth is we deserve much worse. But he came full of grace and truth. He, he came full of a second chance. He came full of an opportunity to become adopted, to become his child. It's praise God. Because I need him. I need his salvation. John bore witness about him, John the Baptist, verse 15, and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me. So he, he was born after him and yet was somehow before him and ranked before him because he was before me. This is back to John 1.1. 1, 1. Jesus, even though he was born after John, existed for an eternity past. Verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace grace that's not what we deserve right but grace is us getting what we don't deserve right mercy is us not getting what we do deserve grace is us getting what we don't deserve and thank God for his grace because I know my heart and while I think I do deserve for my children to recognize that I love them, I, I work hard to take care of them, I, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to hug your father when he gets home, things like that. There's also the truth that uh, I fail as a father a lot. I fail as a husband a lot. I fail as a friend a lot. And if I look at the sins that I've committed, according to the Bible, I deserve death. But he came with grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. You want to know that you're a sinner? You want to know that you're not perfect? Go to the law. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So we haven't seen him, and yet we have. As, human, as humanity, because we have seen Jesus, and Jesus is the exact imprint. He's the full representation of the Father. And so, we have seen Jesus, therefore we have seen the Father. Now, I'm not saying that we have seen the Father in, 
with his full attributes and full display um, because we know that when Christ became human, he willingly chose not to cling to some of those rights as God and demand those rights as God. That's how he became a servant. That's why he um, died on a cross or how he was able to die on a cross was that he um, temporarily denied himself the right that he had as God. And so will we think about Christmas? It's, we've got a whole month, right, to plan for Christmas and prepare for Christmas. Um, I'm not even going to tell you when our Christmas tree was up, but I will tell you that it was uh, not as early as the Stovers, okay? That's all I'll say. And, um, and so what we know is that there is fun in Christmas. There is fun in putting up a tree. There's fun in giving gifts and getting gifts. There is fun in getting with family and eating with family and all those things. Uh, I mean, it's not all fun, but it's fun enough, right? Um, but that is not our priority. That is not what deserves the most of our attention. It's what gets the most of our attention too much of the time, but Jesus deserves our attention. The fact that he humiliated himself in becoming a human being, and, and by the way, it doesn't end with humiliation. It ends with exaltation, right? It ends with glory, um, but we're not there yet. But when we look at Christmas, Let's be thankful that we get to have these freedoms in the country that we live in. Let's be thankful that we get to open gifts and shop for one another and give gifts and eat great food and um, all of that. Let's be thankful for those things. Be thankful that we get to do things with our church family that are fun. Be thankful that we can go sing carols and have a Christmas parade, which is Saturday. And if you want to help with the Christmas parade, see Beth Boyd. Um, Let's be thankful that we get to do all those things, but let's make sure that the, the, the root of the joy that is in our hearts and the root of the fulfillment that we are seeking is both, they're both found in Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace. He has come. He has given us that. And our joy can be found in who Jesus is. And so my challenge to you over the next few weeks is every time you have to go into Walmart, or for some of you weird people, you get to go into Walmart because you are so excited about shopping and whatever. Um, Every time over the next few weeks where you have to wrap a present, every time over the next few weeks when you have to make a plan with a family member about when you're going to meet up, every time over the next few weeks when a Christmas song comes on the radio, whether it's a worship song or, uh, you know, White Christmas or something like that, every time you think of Christmas, think of Jesus. Think of what he went through in order to give us Christmas, in order for us to celebrate the day when God was born as a man. When he put on flesh, when he willingly subjected himself to runny noses and dirty diapers and all of that stuff, that's Christmas. That's why we celebrate. Because he made the greatest sacrifice that has ever been made by becoming a baby, by becoming human, and growing into a man, and dying on a cross. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because of who was born. Let's remember this season who was born. Now, maybe you need to make some commitments to God this morning. Don't make commitments you can't keep. 
maybe rather than commitments, some of us should just ask God for help, focusing on Him. Maybe you need to respond to God in, in whatever way that He might be convicting you or leading you. I can't know the hearts of every person in here, but God does. I just said the words that I said, and God used them in different ways to impact different ones of you. And so you respond to God in whatever way he's convicting you and whatever way he's leading you. But I do want to challenge you to ask God during this invitation, God, help me to focus on you. Help me to focus on your sacrifice. Help me to focus on what you've been through. And whether you're looking forward to the holiday season because of all of the great things that are associated with that, or you're dreading the holiday season, as we talked about last week, because of the loss that you have experienced or the pain that's associated with those holidays for some people, I encourage you and challenge you to go to God right now and ask God, God, help me. Help me to just to focus on you during this season, to focus on your sacrifice and the hope that that brings in the midst of darkness. Some of us, all we can see right now during this season is light, and the light of God, the light of man, Jesus being born, and what he brought to the world, and the good, and the hope, and all of that. And some of us right now, all we can see is the darkness. And we need to ask God, God, help me to find my root in you. Help me to not be distracted by the darkness, by the world, Help me to not be distracted by the good things that could take my attention from you. Help me to be focused on you, Jesus, the Word, who became flesh, who brought truth and grace, who brought grace upon grace. Let's stand and let's pray and have our time of invitation. Lord, help us. Help us to focus on you. Help us to turn our attention to you. Help us to respond to you in whatever way you're leading. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be right down here if anyone needs me to pray with them or wants to talk to me. And feel free to come to the altar or, or you spend time with God where you are.